Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. 99 degrees today in Southern California, but we don't have to worry about global warming or anything like that. You know, it's fall and we're coming into winter and Thanksgiving and stuff, and then it will be 99 degrees again, but what can you do? Today we have a very, very, very special show, and my listeners know that I love supporting launches of relevant editorial products, and today we are talking to the founder of The Daily Activist. His name is Jeremy Lawrence. And I want everybody who's listening live now to go to thedailyactivist.com because this is really something that's clean and concise and clear and different. It really captures young voices talking about the issues of today. Um, it's, it really encourages people to have a voice about speaking about social issues, civil rights, human rights, animal rights, celebrity charities, your opinions, the environment, Occupy Wall Street. Um, it's, it's just so wonderful, and it encourages people to come in and speak out and write about these issues and do something about these issues after what I think has been years of complacency. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure having you. Do you think I was accurate in everything I said so far about the Daily Activist? Absolutely, absolutely. We, um, you know, we cover a uh, a multitude of uh, of issues, um, social, civil, and human rights issues being kind of the premise. But um, you know, it's really um, a multitude of activist issues in, in humanitarian news, current events, etc. It's um, you designed it so um, beautifully and so easy to navigate, and you made it so social media platform friendly. I mean, you could go back and forth between Facebook and the website and continue to have discussions, and we know that it's every 20-something and 30-something in the universe that's using social media or digital communication to engage, and I think it's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. We... um... Yeah, that was really a focus when we started building the site of how do we how do we make it relevant to um, that younger generation of readers uh, and a mainstream audience as well. And and in doing so, um, you know, we really saw the need to build it out in terms of a, uh, a social networking platform. And and how do we tie into Facebook and Twitter and those kinds of things in uh, in effort to really spread the word. Well, I mentioned to you during our many conversations that um, coming from the magazine industry, I watched a revolution in the publishing industry, and I drew a comparison for you that I think you liked, and um, that was that, you know, in the 1950s, there were similar things going on in the culture. Of course, it wasn't digital yet, but there was frustration. There were people who wanted a voice that felt that they didn't have a voice. And, you know, there was something brewing called what we refer to historically as the sexual revolution. And it was because it was very, very tied to women's rights. And it wasn't so much about, you know, sex itself. It was really about women being able to have equal rights in the workplace. It was about women being able to have the birth control pill and controlling when they wanted to have a baby rather than what 
you know, they're supposed to do or what families may think or what cultures might think. Um, but there was sort of a repression of voices. And, you know, people refer to that time as, you know, sort of the, you know, the puritanical 30s and 40s. And then, of course, you know, it was post-Great Depression. And I, and I see so many similarities in this time. And Hafner captured all of that when, you know, he reflected the culture with Playboy magazine. And the timing could have been better because people wanted that exclamation point to capture all of the excitement and sort of the, you know, this, this um, you know, pac- pacifism in a revolution. Um, it was really having a voice, being able to talk about things that they weren't able to talk about before. And... Um, you know, kind of redefining the First Amendment and redefining the U.S. Constitution, if you will, through the Playboy philosophy, where Hefner spoke about multiple issues and not just sexuality, but, you know, civil rights and human rights and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that if you actually looked at the Playboy philosophy, you would draw a lot of comparisons to what you're doing with the Daily Activist, although the Daily Activist, you know, doesn't really have the, you know, the elements of sexuality in that way, but issue-wise, I think that there's a lot of similarities. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of parallels there, um, especially with regards to timing. You know, we we launched this site, um, you know, right as the the Arab Spring had uh, had already picked up, but um, you know, became full in motion, and then simultaneously we saw the um, Occupy Wall Street movement coming to uh, fruition, and and that was kind of an, an unintended. Um, uh, you know, an, an unintended um, parallel there in the sense that we, we didn't know going into this that Occupy Wall Street was going to be um, such a big movement and that it was going to capture the imagination of so many young Americans, um, Americans young and old. Um, and so when we launched this thing, it, it kind of ended up as a simultaneous thing, and, and I think we just really got lucky in terms of timing. Um, you know, people want to have a voice and I think uh, you're right I think people are tired of um, of the complacence and um, and they want their rights and so that's what a lot of what we're seeing going on right now you are but you're owning it and um, it's you know I know that you say that it's accidental but I think that you knew that something was brewing maybe you didn't know what but when you put together your editorial mission, you knew that there was a vacuum and that there was a lot of frustration. And Absolutely. I mean, we had seen, you know, with, with what we had seen in the Middle East, um, so many young people out in the streets protesting um, in a way that they had never done before. Um, and a lot of that was due to, you know, technology and social media and the development of all these things. And, uh, and so we felt, well, why, why can't we give them um, you know, sort of a mainstream platform to uh, to speak out and to and take action as well. And you did. And um, it's, you know, the Daily Activist is a place where they could go and share their voices and you could cover them. I think a lot of the first, I think a lot of um, the complacency, um, physical complacency with the younger generation or the millennials is they kind of had it easy growing up. You know, I call them laptop, you know, babies that had, you know, you know, laptops in their playpens or lapware babies, 
okay, <laughs> because when they were sitting on their mom's laps, it wasn't just a bottle. You know, their moms definitely were playing with their laptops. <laughs> and I think that, you know, the millennials really grew up you know, as, you know, having immediate gratification and entertainment and communication. I mean, they could talk to their grandparents via Facebook just with the press of a button. They were taught that communication was unlimited but easily um, executed through the press of a button. And that's something that, you know, the universe hasn't seen before with this whole generation of people. You have to imagine, you know, you press a button, you get what you want. It brings you up in a different kind of way. And I think what they had to learn was is organization of, you know, of a group takes more than just a tweet up. You know, it takes more than just a Facebook discussion. And they had to learn, and they're still learning, that they have to have very, very strong agendas and not nebulous, um, you know, agendas that you tend to have when you're having discussions on social media platforms. You could stay very obtuse on social media platforms. And I think that they've all learned that they have to get a little bit more precise in the way that they think in order to get messages across because they have to learn that it's not only about a Twitter discussion, tweet up, um, Facebook discussion. It's really how do you get the mainstream media, okay, which nobody even bothered to look at anymore, okay, because they were looking at their devices. But how do you really get the New York Times to recognize an issue? Or how do you get you know, Good Morning America, to recognize an issue. And even though these, you know, communication platforms, these broadcast platforms might one day become integrated completely into a social media device, today it's still not. They're still kind of separate. And I think what they learned on, you know, OWS is that they, they've got to get really targeted in their precise messaging. Do you agree that that's kind of what happened, or if you disagree, tell me why? No, I, I absolutely agree that that's where it's, uh, you know, the OWS movement is headed. I think, um, I, I think everybody realizes that eventually they're going to need to sort of streamline um, their platform and agenda. Um, you know, when it first started out, it was kind of funny. I was watching all of the, uh, the media reports about, uh, you know, asking for their lists of demands. Um, and I kind of looked at that and scratched my head and said, are they not approaching these guys like they're uh, bank robbers or kidnappers? What do you mean list of demands? Um, and, <laughs> it is kind of criminal sounding, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the premise of Occupy Wall Street was really about having any particular type of agenda in the sense that, I, I think it was more about creating a dialogue between people. You know, there, there's so many different um, opinions and so many different people um, that were affected in different ways because their their homes were foreclosed on or they lost their jobs or they don't have health care or, you know, they, they don't have uh, access to education. And I think that all of these grievances are kind of now being aired because of this dialogue that uh, that Occupy Wall Street really developed. And, and you do get to a certain point where 
you say, okay, now we know what the issues are. We, we understand where, where everybody's coming from. And now what is the next step? We need to streamline that in a way that really um, brings it all together uh, to get something done in Washington. Yeah, and I, you know, I think we talked a little bit about the generational thing and the millennial thing. Um, part of it is the recipients of the messages are used to receiving messages in different ways. We talked about how the millennials want to communicate messages, but the recipients of the messages tend to be a little bit of the older generation or baby boomers. Absolutely, the uh, the traditional um, you know Amnesty International model, which uh, which is great. Don't get me wrong, um, but. You know, when you look at activist issues historically, a lot of this stuff um, was not framed in a way that was necessarily relevant to um, how people got their information. Um, in other words, you would have, you know, a, a guy who, who works all day and he comes home and he's sitting in front of his computer and he's not going to go necessarily onto Amnesty International's website to read a nine-page report on an issue going on in Zimbabwe. Um, he's just not. So... So for us, we really looked at that and said, you know, there's so many people doing, doing so many incredible things, um, and, and they should have the exposure. You know, they should have um, people looking at this stuff. And so we said, well, how can we take that and kind of frame it in a way that's relevant to today's readership, that's relevant to a mainstream audience? And so that's really what we tried to do with TDA was, in effect, create somewhat of a, a modern um, content delivery system for these issues. You did, but it's not. It's still very, very easy to um, be read and appreciated by, you know, the geezer baby boomers. I can't believe baby boomers are geezers, but, I mean, it really is because you put it, you, you, you have it in sort of a digitally, you know, it, it's very aesthetically beautiful in the way that you laid it out in a digital sense with the squares and it's simple and the colors and the pictures. I mean, you did that really, really well. Yet, when you click into the stories, it's very traditional press-like. Absolutely. I think um, because I think that information is, is incredibly important. But, you know, I, I think we saw that, um, you know, where news was heading in, in, a, more, in a much more tabloid style way than ever before. Um, you know, you look at publications like the Huffington Post, um, you look at things like TMZ, and these are Internet publications that have an incredible number of readership. Um, and, and so how could we really expand on their model but, but gear it toward um, more what we would consider the important issues of our day, um, you know, the social issues, the civil rights stuff, the human rights stuff. And... Um, you know, that's really, when you look at that formula, it's pretty simple. It's, it's uh, you know, great pictures and big headlines and, you know, 250 words. Um, people don't sit down and read for hours at a time. Um, certainly on average, they're not sitting there reading for hours at a time, and they, they, they like to click around. So we wanted to do it in a way that was really relevant to them and in a way that the issues themselves were palatable to them. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor, a little bit of snark, et cetera, but really still getting to the core issues. Listen, we have to take a commercial break, Jeremy. That was all very well said, and we'll continue talking about it more in the next three segments. So stand by. Let's have the listeners hear some of um, our commercials, and we'll be back right after this. News. 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 News.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where you're opinion counts voiceamerica.com welcome back to stars of pr with cindy r if you have a question or comment call in at 1-866-472-5788 now back to the show here's cindy rakowitz we're back with Jeremy Lawrence from The Daily Activist, and I want to encourage listeners, if you're, just, if you're just tuning in right now, please go back to the beginning of the show because Jeremy is really starting um, a wonderful digital revolution with the launch of his new publication called The Daily Activist. And it's not just Jeremy. He has you know, um, thousands of young voices that are contributing to this publication and talking about the issues of the day, um, he, you know, I, I alluded to the Playboy philosophy before, which many baby boomers know all about. And um, this is sort of the digital philosophy. What are the issues in the digital era, and how do you communicate them in a peaceful manner and in a way that there's no violence, but you make change? And um, that's exactly what Jeremy's doing. He's taking a lot on. Um, but I think with the creation of the Daily Activists, in the next um, couple of months, he's going to be a recognized figure for doing this. Um, it's almost like the Huffington Post on issues for yo- for the younger generation, and it's brilliant. And you know, he he covers every issue of the time. And for those of you that are trying to figure out what the issues of the time are, aside from the ones that you hear on the traditional media, take a look at thedailyactivist.com, and you will know in one minute everything that's going on in this world that you should know about. And it ranges from human rights to civil rights to social issues to, you know, some political issues. Um, but it's not, he, you know, daily activists doesn't want to take stands, doesn't want to polarize, but rather give, create the platform for other people to give their opinions and for other people to learn that they, they want to get something done. There's certain ways to do it. Am I right? Did I say that all that right, Jeremy? Yeah, absolutely. And I think really, I'd like to impress on the fact that you know we didn't start this out as um, as activists, and, and we don't consider ourselves activists. You know, I think there are incredible people out there doing such amazing things within the activist communities, and and for us, this is our ability to to give them something back. Um, 
you know, I, I myself was in the business world for, for many years and, and still am to an extent. But um, when I, I saw the opportunity and I, I was so inspired by um, young people who were actually going out there and making a difference and, and dedicating large parts of their lives to these issues, um, I said, you know what, these people really need a voice. And, um, and that's where this really came from. You know, this was not, uh, we didn't go into this with an agenda. We didn't go into this as Democrats or Republicans. Um, we went into this with the understanding that, um, people needed a voice and, um, and that they should be heard. And so that's, that's really how this came about. You actually, you have a special section for Occupy Wall Street because it's, you know, become such a popular news item, and, you know, actually, you know, these protests have been going on, you know, for a couple of weeks, and, you know, it's a natural for the daily activists to cover it. And, you know, we talked about in the earlier segment that, you know, in time, hopefully, they'll get a little bit more clear and detailed in their agendas and shaping what their messages might be. And that might take a while. But you also have told me that you hope that it does not become a platform for polarizing um, political parties. Do you want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, and I don't think that that is a, um, that that's, um, that I'm the only one that shares that uh, sentiment. I think that um, a large part of the movement is concerned about being identified as you know, now simply we're just Democrats or we're just Republicans or we're, you know, now we're being referenced to, to the Tea Party movement. Um, I think they're legitimate issues, and I think that when you polarize them, they end up taking on a whole new meaning and they end up becoming a political um, issue, and it really loses the, the um, initial meaning. And so, uh, you know, we're hoping that it doesn't go there. We're actually... Um, we are really standing behind what um, what uh, Dylan Radigan and Jimmy Williams are calling the um, the Get Money Out movement, which is um, sort of a, a parallel movement to Occupy Wall Street, um, where the intention is to really take uh, money out of out of politics, and um, you know, with the underlying understanding that um, that money is is really at the root of of all of this, that money in politics is really the, the cause for a lot of these, these issues because Congress is bought and they're simply unable to pass legislation out of the fear that they, um, you know, that they're going to lose their political funding. Yeah, and what do you think about that? Um, I, I, I think it's right on. I, I think that, um, you know, my, my hope is that the Occupy Wall Street movement ends up really getting behind that platform for change because I think it's incredibly important. And I think that for a lot of these issues to be addressed, whether it's, um, you know, foreclosures or health care or government spending on war or education, um, privacy rights, et cetera, I think they all kind of filter back to that one underlying issue of money and politics. Yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty true and how... But can it be isolated? Can can agendas be isolated? I think that they can be isolated, um, but I think that you know you really need to get to the underlying cause of them. Um, when a congressman is incapable of passing legislation that's going to benefit the country because a corporate interest is is holding a, a dollar over his head, um, I think you have a real problem. And um, 
you know, I, I can I can kind of liken it to something that I, I was reading the other night. We ran an article on um, the uh, 15 homeless shelters in Seattle that were um, now closing because they lost their funding from FEMA. And simultaneously, I was looking at an article from, from one of our writers about the, um, the drones, that um, they had a problem with a virus in, in one of the drones, and it was a, a keystroke capture program. Um, and the military was kind of up in arms about this. They didn't know how to get rid of it. Um, and they weren't sure if it was a very dangerous thing or not. Um, but I was, I was kind of looking at these, these issues simultaneously thinking, this is really the, this is really the problem. You know, the problem is we have so much spending in things like this drone, billions and billions and billions of dollars going into this technology, into military spending. And here we are with our own people in Seattle. And they're going to be out in the street because we can't keep 15 homeless shelters alive. I mean, it's crazy. Well, you know, it is. But this is where social issues maybe can make a difference. It's, you know, I, I don't think that it should be political, but I think that it should affect bad politics, maybe. <laughs> That's a very, um, it's an interesting distinction. Absolutely. Um, I think you need to pull politics out of it, and I think you need to pull the money out of the politics um, in order to really get anything done. And, and when we do that, I think we'll see tremendous change. You know, when people can put their conscience in, uh, in Congress, um, I think things will really change. I, I hope that people learn how to do this, and maybe Occupy Wall Street is a training ground, but I hope that people really learn how to do this before the big elections next year. Absolutely. And I... I um, you know, we're, we're getting ready to launch that uh, Get Money Out platform as well, kind of um, in an effort to support those guys. And, and I, think it's, uh, I think it's an incredibly important issue for the coming elections. Are you going yeah. to, is the Daily Activist going to do anything to encourage people to go out and vote, sort of what MTV did with Rock the Vote, which I thought was very effective for the younger generation? Um, you know, any ideas of what the daily activists can do to prompt people to go and, you know, make sure that they, they do vote during the times that their voices can be heard and make changes? Absolutely. I think the, you know, our, our platform is really um, something that's, that's ever-growing and, um, and following along with the, uh, with the current times. And, you know, as we move toward the elections, I certainly think that a lot of our content will start, um, you know, being directed toward them. Um, I think it's kind of the nature of what we do in trying to tackle current events and, and things that are important subjects to, to our day. So um, we definitely foresee um, the development of that. Right. Well, I really, really hope so. I, I hope that you get people to be much more issue-oriented so that they learn how that they could, you know, how do these issues really um, connect to, you know, the, the ability to vote and the ability to make change. And that's not polarizing politics. That's going to the grassroots <laughs> and asking people to make decisions that are impactful. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think the issues need to, to first become relevant to them. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that now where, where a lot of issues that, you know, maybe the younger generation may not have really looked at before, um, or even have, have known about in the past simply because, you know, the technology was not necessarily there, um, going back 10, 15 years ago. 
um, now it's there, and we're at a, at a very different time in our world, um, something, you know, a time that we've never seen before. There's no real historical precedence for what's going on right now in terms of, um, you know, the streamlining of communication and uh, the development of social networks all over the world. And so I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, um, I think they're becoming more um, educated, and I think they are taking on issues with a, a whole new meaning, and I think they're getting interested in them. You know, there's so many things that have come across uh, our site that I had, had never known about. Um, and I read about them, and I go, wow, this is, you know, this is incredible. Or look at what these people are doing over here. It's, it's absolutely fascinating to me. Um, and, and, you know, without this type of platform, I may have never known it before, and it may not have been an issue to me. So, you know what? I'm looking at the Daily Archivist, and there are a lot of issues, and I'm pretty well-read, right? I mean, I'm kind of a news junkie that I didn't know about, and I, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, you know what? These can be made into movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, man. The way that you... I mean, I hope that Hollywood contacts you, because, wow. you know, it's when you have a good movie that zooms in on an issue, I think that that could be very powerful. Listen, we have to take another commercial break and we're going to come back for our third segment don't go away because i'm going to ask jeremy to zoom in on some of these issues with me and um it's going to be fun and exciting and you're going to learn something stand by ask the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 and ask our all-star team to answer your questions that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of PR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back, and we're talking about issues, and we're talking about the Daily Activists. And for those of you that are just tuning in, I want you to go to www.thedailyactivist.com so you can see what we're talking about because it's just awesome. Or go into the Facebook page and check it out and engage in conversation. There's lots going on. Occupy Wall Street is probably the news du jour in terms of issues and in terms of communication and trying to make change. Um, but the Daily Activist is about so much more, and it was recently launched by the brilliant Jeremy Lawrence, who's on the air with us now. 
Um, Jeremy, when you were thinking about putting this together, like what came to your mind? Like what was the aha moment? Like you know, you you know, you were a businessman, and you know, but you really felt that something needed to take place. What were you know the the events that led to the launch of this publication? I mean, we talked about some of it, but say it again. Well, there um, there there were several of them actually. Um, I had been in New York about a year and a half ago. Um, I went to a uh, a film premiere um, that was actually filmed on a uh, a man who I I had become friends with in uh, the Middle East about uh, ten to twelve years ago, and and subsequently he began um, developing a platform for nonviolence. And the the film focused around the uh, the nonviolence movement coming out of um, both uh, Israel and the occupied territories. And um, after the film, there was a, a panel discussion in which um, Israelis and Palestinians shared the stage and discussed these these issues. And, and you know, at that moment, I really looked at it and I said, "Wow, this is." Um, you know, this is not something that you would see on the news. You're, you're not going to see um, young Israelis and Palestinians coming together and, and really getting involved in a discussion. And, and you're not going to see that there's a, a common goal between them. Um, you're going to see such a polarized version of it of, uh, you know, one versus the other as opposed to them coming together on a really human level. And I thought that that was incredibly inspiring. Um you know, in terms of my politics, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with certain things, or maybe other things I agree with. But just the notion that these two groups of people who have been so polarized in the in the media could actually come together on one stage and have an incredible discussion—I thought it was great. Um, and so I really saw that, and that was inspiring. And I've always been interested in these types of issues. Um, but you know, with access to YouTube and things like that now, you can really get into the the, the things that interest you and and. And for me, I started digging in, and I started seeing these incredible video clips online, and I said, you know, wow, this stuff needs to be seen by the masses. People need to know that this is going on. Um, you know, I remember one video in particular of a, a young girl in the Middle East who was standing in, in front of a soldier who was trying to uh, to fire um, an M16 into a group of, uh, of young kids, and this girl couldn't have been more than 19 years old, and she... She grabbed the gun and she was pushing it away. I mean, completely fearless. And she said, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're shooting into a group of children. And it was so moving to me. Um, and on the other side of that, it was so, you know, it was, I was shocked. that There were only 500 people who had viewed this video. And I said, you know what, we need to do something that lets these voices out there. Because if you look at traditional media, you're only going to get the violence, you're only going to get the, um, you know, polarization and the Republican versus Democrat and the Israel versus Palestine, and and you're not going to get um, a real human story that's on the ground with these people actually working together, and I think it's incredible. Right, yeah, well, they are the real heroes. I, You know, I have to say this, I think that I've alluded to movies in Hollywood before because, you know, it's, you know, there's less polarization sometimes, and... Um, I, you know, it's the kinds of things you are finding the kinds of issues that make great Academy Award winning films. You're not going to see it so much in, you know, the traditional press, particularly TV news, because you're right. 
the formula has become polarized. People are used to this side of the story, that side of the story. And it usually becomes the conservative side of the story and the liberal side of the story, right? Whether it's political or issue-oriented or what. I mean, that's the way that baby boomers have been trained to hear a news story, okay? It's become the formula. It's become the package. You could change that formula very much like, you know, Hollywood can because they have the time to, okay? You know, they have the time to get into the human side of things without having to worry about the three-minute news package, right? Absolutely. And I think what you're doing is you are encapsulating all of these, you know, Academy Award-winning concepts, you know, because I'm drawing this Hollywood sort of, you know, formula to it, um, in a real issue kind of a way, in a real life kind of a way. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it, it's very, very interesting to me. Because when I think of some of the best films, when you just mentioned to me that 19-year-old girl that said, what are you doing? You're hurting children in the middle of, you know... Um, a Middle Eastern situation, you're not going to see that on the news, you know, but you might see a movie made about it. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's what it felt like, you know, it, it, it really felt like you were watching a, uh, a film and, and not, um, you know, a piece of, of live footage. And, and it's remarkable to me. I, I think, um, you know, again, there's just so many people doing incredible things out there and standing up for, for their rights and, and standing up for others. And, and that's what I wanted to be the focus. You know, I, I didn't want uh, I didn't want this platform to be so negative. I wanted it to be positive in the sense that it was really creating an awareness of these issues and the people that were actively involved in them. Well, you're doing a great job. I mean, but and you're covering some of the things that we see on the mainstream news. For example, you know, you did cover the jumping jacks with you know Michelle Obama's fitness regime. Um, you know, I, this is something you see on the news only because she's the first lady, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But I think it's, you know, it, um, I think it is relevant in, the, in a sense. I mean, look, we have um, lighthearted stuff like, um, like the jumping jacks, and then, you know, right next to it on the site you might see um, an image of the Guy Fox mask and, you know, the anonymous, um, you know, hacker group. I mean, there's... Uh, there's all sorts of different types of information on there, a little bit of something for everybody. Oh, it's and I think everything. It's everything. I mean, you've got, you know, um, you know everything from animal rights and, the, and bullfighting controversies to treason slinging to, you know, Middle East coverage. And it's kind of a way that other people don't cover it, again, because you don't do this. You, you just expose the issues in an expository manner. It's not... You know, let me get my sound bite, let me get both sides of the story, let me pack it into three minutes. And when you look at the home page, and, you know, I mean, I would guess, you know, that there's about, you know, 30 maybe issues that you have on the, on the home page. I mean, it's kind of like it's a really great way for a person who wants to learn what's going on issue-wise in current events without the packaging, without the, I got to get this, you know, three-minute news package. And just telling you what it is and encouraging people to, you know, sort of learn about it and maybe make a difference if they feel strongly about the issue. I mean, it's, 
it's just so beautifully packaged. I mean, if it's the Dream Act, you know, it's what everybody needs to know about it. Without the, you know, the the pro and con, so that everything becomes so polarized that you lose the essence of the story. Um, you know, you, I, I mean, it's. It's it's everything, and it's worldwide, and it's domestic, and you know it's it, it ranges from immigration to treason slinging to um, treason slinging to dwarf dwarf tossing. Jeremy, <laughs> you want to elaborate on that? You know, I, I have, I'm trying to. I, I remember the image from that particular article, and I think it had something to do with um, a governor from Florida trying to get rid of um, redundant laws, and, and apparently um, he thought that the dwarf tossing law needed to be thrown out, uh, pun intended. Um, <laughs> well, it's kind of brilliant it's, promotion, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's it's all um, it's all interesting stuff, but I really wanted. People to be able to to not only learn about these issues, but to do something about them as well. And I don't know um, how much time you've had to to really look through some of the ways in which we do that. But the um, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do from the beginning is incorporate um, as many ways for people to take action as possible. So, in other words, if you if you were to read an article on human trafficking, um, for example, there are you know, a number of groups out there that are actively working in this stuff. And you yourself don't have to be an activist. But if you find something that touches you and if you, you find a cause that, you know, when you go, I would like to support this thing, we try to give our readers um, the ability throughout the website to actually pursue that and to do it in a really easy, fast way. You know, a lot of the time we'll link back to a particular organization that's involved in a cause. So if you're looking at human trafficking, um, there's an organization called Three Generations that's, um, that's a, uh, a great org that deals in, uh, in trafficking of women in the United States. And we'll put a link back to, um, you know, to their website and to their donate page and allow you at the end of your read, you can just click on it and here's $10. Um, or you can do it via text message in a lot of cases. You know, a lot of uh, these organizations have text to donate. And it's as simple as putting in a text message into your into your phone, and you get built on your next billing cycle. And I think it's um, it's made it really easy for people to take action. No, it certainly has, and it, it's funny. You know, I'm sure that a lot of people didn't even realize that human trafficking took place in the United States. They watch movies, you know, and they see it happening, you know, in um, Europe or you know, Brunei or something like that, and they don't think that it's something that takes place so close to home. And, uh, yeah, I never um, I never realized it either. You know, I, I it was something that never kind of crossed my path in, in the sense of, of uh, something that I would hear about on the nightly news. Um, but there are all sorts of issues just like that that, um, you know, people just don't, they're not, they're not aware of. And so that's what we're really trying to do is, well, is yeah. create that awareness. And I, I, the great part is I get to learn about this stuff every day. No, you do. Um, you definitely do. And the next, we're going to finish up this segment. Then we have one more segment to go, Jeremy, so that you could, you know, relax and, you know, <laughs> not be concerned about doing a live <laughs> radio show the rest of the day. <laughs> um, I want to, you know, talk about how you get your writers engaged in the next segment. And um, 
because I know that you have many of them, and they're doing such a terrific job for you. I want you to take us a little bit behind the scenes in your editorial meeting, so I want everybody to stand by, don't go away, learn more about the Daily Activist right after this break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're in our last segment with the founder of the Daily Activist, Jeremy Lawrence, and I really encourage you to go back and listen to this show from the very beginning. There's nothing more exciting than the launch of a new media outlet, um, particularly when you know that it really reflects the culture today, and it will continue to not only reflect the culture but kind of prognosticate what's going to happen next. And I think that's where the... That's where Jeremy is right now in his new day, and I think Jeremy's going to learn that it's not only reflecting the culture, but after a while, it, you learn sort of the rhythm, um, and you become an editorial expert of having the intuition of what might come, and that's what truly makes a great editor. I mean, we've seen it with Jan Wenner, and we've seen it with Hugh Hefner, and we've seen it with, you know, so many... Um, you know, great voices and editors who've created magazines when the print magazine was um, in vogue and popular. So I hope that I've given you some big shoes to fill there, Jeremy. <laughs> Very big shoes. <laughs> I mean, I think that Jan Wenner is a perfect example, too. I mean, he captured sort of not only, you know, the popularity of music, but some of the movements behind music, and he's become such a you know, coveted, highly coveted figure in terms of, you know, the music industry and the issues behind the music industry that the music industry is involved in. And it was at a time when music, you know, was everything, right? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I want you to feel really, really good about it because these are the, 
Mount Rushmore of um, great editorial minds that you have to follow. So, um, well, you know, I, I really have to say that in terms of our direction and in terms of where this thing goes, um, it, it's not my direction. This is really a platform that we created um, for the people and, and for people to be able to to speak their minds and, and to get other people involved. And I think that it's sort of a natural progression in the sense that um, the direction is really going to kind of take on its its own mission, so to speak. Um, and, and I think that that really comes from our writers and how they, you know, their interests, what's going on with them, um, what's going on with um, NGOs and um, activist groups and things of that nature. And and so I think it's it's really a reflection of the time in that sense and not necessarily a direction that we as, you know, the core group of developers determine, you know, where is this thing going to go? Um, we're kind of letting it happen naturally, and I think that that's what we need to do. Well, I think that any, you know, any publication that's successful, um, even before we entered the digital revolution, these people that I've mentioned before had always put an emphasis on connecting to the reader and listening to what the reader had to say and reflecting what the reader's opinions were and their editorial staff and how they listened to the readers and continued to connect to the readers. So, you know, uh, you know having a great editorial foundation, the, the formula to that is always listening to what the reader wants, not what the advertiser wants, but what the reader wants. And, you know, before digital communication, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't include the reader as much as they had wanted to because... It, you know, there was this print separation, right? I mean, you could communicate via telephone, you could communicate via letters, but there was always this kind of time lag um, of what the readers were, of what the reader response was, and how to get that reflected into a publication. So yeah, I want you to know that great editors thought the same way that you're thinking. Okay, they just didn't have the technology to have the readers have as much influence and the writers to have as much influence that you can have them have. Absolutely, I think we, um, you know, we're incredibly lucky in that sense because, um, you know, we've we've really created a platform where people can send us um, their articles, they can send us their writings, um, and I think that's that's great in terms of. of populating the content. You have all these different voices coming from, you know, places as far off as Africa and uh, England and, and really all over the world. Um, so the ability to have those voices that, you know, a startup publication may not otherwise have um, has really been great, and it's really um, helped us in determining or helped us in, in uh, you know, taking this thing into its natural direction. I, I think that's, or it's organic direction. I, I think that's very, very true. How do you find your writers, Jeremy? Um, well, it started out with a, uh, a core group here in um, in Miami. Um, I had a, a close friend who was a, um, a professor, and she jumped on board, and, and uh, she's been wonderful, and she 
got some of her writer friends involved, and then it kind of spiraled out from there. Um, once we we launched the website with enough content to um, you know to really start getting some attention, um, we were then able to um, you know have enough people looking at this stuff that some of them said, you know what, we want to contribute. And we want to be involved. And, and how do we do that? Can we write for you? Can we develop articles for you? And, of, of course, our response is that's exactly what we want. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that you could do perhaps, I mean, and this is just a suggestion, I, I don't know, you know, um, you know, how much you've, you know, thought this through in a format way. I, I know that you're doing live streaming coverage of Occupy Wall Street, but, you know, it, this lends itself to a lot of um, sort of live videos and, you know, maybe live interviews with, you know, people who want to make a difference as well. I don't know how you thought about integrating, you know, video into the daily activists in the long term. Well, I think it's definitely, um, I, I think it's an incredibly important part of, of what we're trying to do. I think that video is, is such a... Um, an essential element to any type of media these days. And um, in the long run, especially, I think you'll start seeing a lot more of that video content, live video, etc. We've seen some great success with the, um, the live stream of Occupy Wall Street. Um, and I, I think we'll just see more and more of it. You know, it becomes, at a certain point, you know, because we are just starting up, um, you know, the, the amount of traffic we've been getting and the amount of interest and the letters from, from all over the world, really, it's, it's incredibly overwhelming because you go, whoa, whoa what did we just create? Um, and, and we need the people to be able to, to handle all of this. And so we've been, you know, that's been a large part of it in terms of, of building it out and developing it is just getting more and more people on board. And, and they've been really wonderful. Um, some, of the, some of the kids that we get to work with, um, are just, they're incredible and they really give their time um, because they really believe in what we're doing and that uh, certainly couldn't be done without them. So. I, no, I, and, I, and I think that's great. Um, and, I, you know, I think that you'll have a lot of contributors with people who can write well and can articulate their, you know, articulate issues in the way that you need them to be articulated. I, you know, it's, I think that it's going to spread. I love the fact that it's international and, um, you know, you could have voices from all over the world. Um, you know, I, I have to say that you, um, you, you are a perfect, you, you would make a perfect strategic alliance with a company called Regenerate Films. And um, I want you to take a look after, you know, we're offline and off the air at www.regeneratefilms.org, I believe, um, because it's run by Larry Jams, who's a big property owner here in Los Angeles. Um, and he decided to, you know, create a 501c3 for, you know, to support issues that nobody wants to talk about because it just doesn't affect their everyday life, like the lost, um, you know, the lost families and, you know, the disappeared in Nepal. Um, you know, or the issue of teen suicide and why it happens and, you know, handling um, the issue in a creative way so that people become more aware and can become more intervention-oriented. Um, you know, uh, you know, 
you know, getting the Latino community more involved in the voting process and stuff like that. And I think that there's a lot of similarities. So, you know, I want you to check them out. Absolutely. I would love, uh, I would love the introduction, and uh, it sounds like they're doing some really great work. It, it's really, really unbelievable what he does. I'm on their board of directors, and um, I choose my boards very carefully. <laughs> you know, because board, boards are always time-consuming. Well, listen, is there any last words that you have while you have your two minutes? Oh, my two minutes, my two minutes. You know, I, really, I would just love for, um, for everybody to come to the site and take a look. And I, I think once they do, they'll find um, things that they can identify with. Uh, and I think it's, um, I think it'll be a great platform for them. And I think it's exciting. And um, you know, and anybody, uh, any of the listeners out there that want to contribute, we would absolutely love your contributions. Um, so if uh, if you're a writing contributor or if you work with a uh, a nonprofit um, or something along those lines, please don't hesitate to send us an email. And um, we want your voice to be heard. So. And that's www.thedailyactivist.com, and um, you've heard Jeremy here. And, Jeremy, I really want to thank you so much for your time. It was a wonderful show, and for those that missed it live, you could easily download the MP3 through www.voiceamerica.com. Easy to navigate, easy to download, and it should be up for you in the next 24 hours, okay? Wonderful. Thank you so much, Cindy. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, Jeremy, and everybody have a really terrific weekend. Be safe, take care, talk to you all in a couple of weeks when we have Paul Michael Glazer, who you may remember as Starsky. Take care. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. Bye.